0: Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Green. China is beginning to open up again, and this past week, we had Art Basel Hong Kong, the first iteration of the fair since COVID, that had no restrictions in place, and the reports were that sales were strong, and there was an exuberant energy at the fair. In this week's episode of the podcast, we recap Art Basel, Hong Kong with Lisa Movius, the China Bureau Chief and Asia Correspondent for the Art Newspaper. Lisa was there on the ground at Basel, Hong Kong, and she shares her perspective on how things went last week. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks so much for listening. thanks so much for joining us.
1: It's such a pleasure to be
0: back Adam. So Art Basel Hong Kong was officially back with no COVID restrictions in place. What were the local expectations from the art world there heading into this year's fair?
1: Well Hong Kong art scene was very eager to strut their stuff and I think they definitely did. Uh, There was a lot of organization leading up not just from the fair but from the whole art community there. The Um, galleries particularly through the Hong Kong Art Gallery Association really put it together uh, to organize things geographically and put on like 70 shows throughout the city is what I heard. But of course also the fair itself and all the parties and a lot of museum shows and parties and the auction houses having lots of events as well. So everyone really put in a lot of time in the the past few months to um, show Hong Kong at, at its best and to reassure everyone that the city Um, is still going strong. I think the rest of the world uh, was really curious to see what has happened to Hong Kong and how changed it is from the last three years of zero COVID. And you know, for the rest of the art world, and especially the Asian art world, Hong Kong is so important as sort of the perennial gateway uh, to greater China, but also to East Asia and even to Southeast Asia. Because for many decades, it's also had a really big Southeast Asian and especially like diaspora Chinese and Southeast Asia market. Uh, so it, it really plays a lot of roles that really can't be replaced by, you know, anywhere else that we really needed it to come back to.
0: And so did the fair and the vibe at the fair feel like pre-COVID times? What was the ambiance like?
1: I wouldn't say it's quite before COVID began because you can't you can't go back in time, can you? Uh, but it was really joyful and ebullient and full of reunions and big hugs and uh, happy faces. On the night before the fair opened, uh, we all uh, headed over to this giant party at M Plus and their big foyer area, and then out onto the waterfront with their amazing views. And they say they invited about two thousand people, but probably about Four thousand people ended up ended up coming to the party with the drinks and the photo booths and the uh, the CNBC and uh, everyone was just very very happy to see each other and that was great. And then for the fair week in general beyond the art VIPs, it was really interesting to see a really broad turnout of characters of people, um, not just artists, but from you know the community and the interested. Um, Adjacent people from all over Asia. So I saw a lot of friends from Shanghai who are not working in art, but who just came down because they wanted to see the fair, because they were so excited to have it back, maybe for their first time, maybe they came like once, you know, six or seven years ago. Uh, In terms of the art world, of course, the gallery representation was Less heavy from the Western galleries, but still, you know, Japanese and Korean galleries really came out uh, and Southeast Asian galleries. Obviously, Art Basel has been doing a lot of outreach through things like Tokyo Art Week and uh, SEA Focus and partnering with these local events. But uh, I think it's just the the broader East Asian, Southeast Asian, and even South Asian our uh, communities were really there. We even had a gallery come from Africa for the first time. So it was really interesting to see the diversity of faces compared to what we normally expect, especially the very limited crowds we've been seeing for a while. Um, and then another nice thing was that Hong Kong artists were really getting a lot more recognition than we've seen in previous editions. The Hong Kong art scene really came together um, over the last three years during captivity, so to speak. Uh, so even though you know Art Basel is back, Hong Kong has always been here. Hong Kong's not back, and it's still there, and has you know, been developing in interesting ways, even when it was closed off to the rest of the world, you know, it still exists the other 51 weeks of the year. Uh, So, you know, it really developed as an art scene in the time that we didn't see it. So, you know, M Plus opened um, more and more artist run and independent spaces have opened. And so there's a much richer community uh, than there used to be
0: um, a couple of years ago. And so let's actually get into the fair and some of the sales that happened there. Overall, how were sales at the fair this year, and did the local economic and or political conditions have any impact on that?
1: So, I mean, obviously the big galleries had big sales, as they do every year. Uh, but what I'm hearing from smaller galleries is that, you know, a few, there are a few rumors of sold-out booths. But on on the average, it was so-so, but that was okay. Um, it was adequate. It was what people needed, and especially in terms of just getting things reboosted, it didn't have to be great. Uh, The economy is not good anywhere in the world right now, and it's especially uh, really uncertain times for Asia and for China uh, going through, again, the housing issue and paying for uh, zero COVID, and especially last year, just you know, basically taking a sledgehammer to the economy by shutting everything down and, you know, spending at one point, like almost 2% of the economy on testing booths and kits. So, so economically, everything is, there's a hit, but we really don't know how much it is going to be because obviously our collectors are always a little bit insulated uh, compared to the general general populace. Uh, Economically, uh, sorry, politically, Uh, Politically speaking, everyone saw the reports of the Winnie the Pooh horror movie getting censored and uh, the SoGo piece by um, Patrick Amadon. Uh, no rioters getting censored. But those are things that would have been censored five years ago. They're not really good indicators of uh, what the situation is in Hong Kong. Uh, Generally speaking, a lot of things are still allowed to happen, though it's gotten a little more, uh, it seems to be getting more and more conservative. But of course, people are still trying to exist in whatever capacity they can. Uh, It definitely puts a, a pall over things but people are soldiering on, you know, like the mood in the fair was in addition to the happiness, there was also a lot of sadness and exhaustion because, you know, both Hong Kong and mainlanders, we've been through quite a lot under the last couple of years of zero COVID and Hong Kong's huge outbreak. Both of us had, both um, mainland and Hong Kong had, you know, these sort of COVID prisons that anyone who tested positive had to go um, get, got tossed into. So, you know, there's a lot for people to process still. It can't, it's not all good, and there's a lot that is still you know, running through people's minds.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to touch up on Asia as well and just the expansion we've seen there the last few years. There's been so much expansion with pertaining to the art world. Having Art Basel Hong Kong fully reopened finally, where do you think Hong Kong ranks at the moment among Asian cities in terms of contemporary art scenes?
1: Adam, we really have to stop ranking cities.
0: It's kind of <laughs> a ridiculous
1: enough. it's a ridiculous narrative because it's not a there's not a competition. It's not like there's only one Asian art hub and only that can exist at any given time. Uh, there are dozens if not hundreds of cities in Asia that are fantastic art centers, art cities, art scenes, and you know each of them has their own strengths and their own weaknesses. I mean, for example, if we go by the number of uh, practicing artists, artists who are like, make a living through making art, you know, maybe Yogyakarta or Bandung would outrank Hong Kong or Shanghai or Beijing or Singapore. I mean, if you think about the cost of living in many of these, you know, so-called, you know, art hubs, you know, if we're just looking at who sells the most works, well, what kind of artwork are we looking at? Uh, So, You know, some a place like Chengdu, for example, sells a lot of traditional artwork, but we don't pay that much attention to it because we're looking more at contemporary art, and we're looking more at art that is either being sold to or by Western uh, collectors, not like Chinese collectors to Chinese, uh, sorry, Chinese dealers to Chinese collectors. So you know, there's a lot of different things to take into account if you're trying to, um, you know, quote unquote, rank or establish who's the top hub in a competition. Uh, Again, it's like some place like. Korea has an interesting um, cultural scene and vibrant, you know, contemporary art world, excellent institutions, excellent artists, excellent collectors, but it's still very, very small um, and not so great at interacting with the rest of the world in the same way um, that a place like Hong Kong or Shanghai is, Uh, you know. Singapore is interestingly situated for um, the rest of Southeast Asia and the place in Southeast Asia that the rest of the West is more familiar with in terms of like language and customs. Uh, but it doesn't have a very strong collector base. It has to draw from the rest of Southeast Asia, and maybe people in Bangkok would rather buy in Bangkok or people in Jakarta would rather um, go to uh, the art festival in Jogja uh, when they can uh, buy directly from studios. So there's all these different factors and politics is one of them, um, economics is another, uh, ease of getting visas, ease of travel is all a factor. So you know, we have to stop thinking in terms of ranks and instead of each individual city's strengths and weaknesses. Hong Kong's always gonna be important. Hong Kong has been important for decades and it will be important for decades. Uh, it has the tax-free status. It has, once again, the easy transit has been restored and that will become more so as their flight number of flights are increased. The last couple of years, in addition to like really a proliferating of artists and spaces and the community there, M Plus has finally opened. Uh, the Hong Kong Museum of Art has reopened. Do um, you have a couple of years ago, you got the excellent uh, private space, a privately backed nonprofit space Tycoon, which has a wonderful uh, LGBTQ show uh, running for a few more days and running that was on during ABHK. So you know, Hong Kong has these strengths and especially now with these institutions that have been uh, really set up to last for decades and decades with in terms of both fundings and structure and how um, how they have planned ahead. Uh, so I think that, you know, you can really be hopeful for Hong Kong out, you know, the institutions and the art world in Hong Kong is going to, you know, going to outlast the current malou and still be strong for the coming decades, I think.
0: And so we've touched on Hong Kong and other parts of Asia. I wanted to ask you about mainland China and how things are there at the moment. Has the art scene returned to a similar place as Hong Kong? Are there still restrictions or other things preventing it from returning to somewhat of a pre-COVID times? How are things there at the moment?
1: The mainland was harder hit by the restrictions in some places anywhere we had like a hard lockdown, like Shanghai or smaller cities. Uh, And especially last year in in Shanghai, we had the very dramatic and ridiculous shuttering of the two entire affairs because of one case of COVID and dealers being hauled off to quarantine. And, people just like running from the fair, being worried about getting caught up in quarantine. So something like that is going to be difficult to come back from, but obviously that period is ended. That's not going to be something that happens again. The government here is eager to go back to, you know, quote unquote normal, whatever that means, or their version of normal. Uh, But yeah, there's a rebuilding, including of people's trust. So uh, mid March, the government announced that uh, tourist visas would be going back to normal, and in theory they have, but it's still a little bit complicated for people to apply. But business visas have gotten back to pretty easy to get. Uh, mid uh, sorry, mid April, we have photo fair Shanghai uh, coming back after a year and a half. They skipped twenty twenty two, which was a wise choice, and. We're very hopeful to see. You know, it's going to be about 30 exhibitors, mostly domestic, but they're going to, you know, be back at the main venue and back with the same energy, hopefully. So I think, I think that's There's a good chance for Shanghai to start getting its moxie back, but it's going to be harder to restore people's faith in things here, considering, you know, the the what happened with the previous couple of years. Right before Basel, there were a couple of opening weekends in Shanghai, and it was really you know busy. There were like five or six gallery openings every on every Friday, Saturday, S- Sunday. People were starting to pull at the stops and throw on parties and trying to get everything together and generate buzz. So there's still trauma, but you know no major galleries have closed in mainland China. So the thing to remember: people tend to see Hong Kong or mainland China as black or white, good or bad, open or closed, but especially when it comes to things like censorship yes there's political repression yes there's censorship and it's not good but people who have chosen to remain and try and you know keep a cultural Uh, cultural scenes here going are still finding ways to work in the cracks you know there's it's a gradient or you know there are layers of things and you know as long as you avoid certain topics you can navigate with others and you know it's worthwhile to still engage with art scenes here because you know it's such an important part of the world it's such a huge you know percentage of humanity. And it's, you know, it's still a really vibrant culture and people are still like doing their best to soldier forward and have a lot to say. And they want people to come and come and listen to them and come, you know, understand how complicated, but also how alive things are here. And so I hope that the world will not be afraid to come to Shanghai or to Hong Kong or to Beijing and, you know, still see how people are trying really hard here.
0: Lisa, thanks so much again for coming on the podcast and helping us recap this year's edition of Art Basel Hong Kong, as well as sharing your unique perspective on everything going on in Hong Kong and mainland China and the rest of Asia. If our listeners don't already, they should definitely check out all of your writing in the art newspaper. And you're also on social media. Where can we find you there?
1: Uh, I'm mostly on Twitter, at Lisa Movius, uh, just full name spelled out, one word.
0: Perfect. Thanks again, Lisa. We appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Adam. Have a great day.